Hello, everybody. Welcome to That Local Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sydney. This is Tyler. How's it going, everybody? We are on episode 12. We have a very special guest here with us today. His name is Dennis Comforto. Did I say that correct? He did. He is a visionary, a father, business owner, entrepreneur, you name it. He's done it. D- Dennis, happy to have you on. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to have you on. This is uh, awesome. I uh, Actually, I found you uh, when I was browsing through the internet. I was looking at uh, other people to have on the podcast, and your name popped up, right? And I was started searching through all your stuff, like entrepreneur, like, oh, he built this business, and I just happened to reach out and was like, oh, he responded. This is so cool. So I am really excited to have you on and learn from you. You know why I responded? I don't. I don't have a life. So anytime <laughs> somebody's nice to me, it's like, oh, somebody wants to talk to me, and uh, this is great. So, 100%. Yeah. I'll talk to you all day long. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. yeah. Well, you just may. I like yeah. it. We yeah. have like lots it. of time to kill. So. We do. There, we there have all day. All right. So, Dennis, uh, I read and I've seen some of the publications that you showed that you grew up kind of homeless for the most part. Like you had a brief period where you were homeless before you right. got well, into I, things. I, I wouldn't say I grew up homeless. Sure. But I came homeless when I was okay. uh, uh, 18. But I was shoveled around between my parents' home and my grandparents' home, which were on opposite sides of the country. Oh, oh. wow. And so uh, so my childhood was not um, was not normal. I knew it was sure. not normal. But, um, I, you know, my internal wiring is just to kind of accept things the way they are. Mm-hmm. And just kind of find the good in it. Even yeah. if it's a really lousy situation, I just look at it <laughs> like, okay, well... There's somebody else in the world that has it way worse than me, so yeah. I'm going to just have a perspective about this and yeah. just and just um, deal with it. I think when I was younger, um, I, th- I think my friends would say um, Dennis was a professional martyr. That guy could make you <laughs> you'd, you'd like feel so sad for him, and he would just you know take you down to the depths of what was going on in his life. And I think to a certain extent that was uh, true. But as I um, I grew up, um, I didn't like the idea of being a martyr. Uh-huh. And then the other thing um, that uh, happened was a view about uh, being a victim. And I'm not a victim. Mm-hmm. I, I could have looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. And then when I look at kind of the, the texture of the country right now, mm-hmm. um, there is... It almost it seems like a business, a philosophy of victimhood creation that creates a lot of division, a lot of anger, a lot of angst, mm-hmm. uh, and most of it's not real. Right. You know, when I was homeless, I could have been a victim and bad at, at society, but you know what, I was, I, I was really lucky because when I was homeless, there wasn't a government program to protect me. Yeah. Mm. Thank God. Right, because 100%. I would have well, because I would have got addicted to it. I would have, yeah. you know, like, would have kept I, you there. Well, I would have been um, uh, become dependent, and yeah. I, I, I don't want to be dependent. I want to be independent, and I think most, you know, it's one of the things that's unique um, living in, in in rural communities like this, because almost mm-hmm. everybody you meet it wants to be independent. Mm-hmm. People who are in the city who go to rural America do so because. They are feeling that they're dependent on right. a whole society that they're not trusting, and they want to go out and and you know, feel like they can grow their own food and mm-hmm. pick their own apples and you know yeah. whatever it is, get their own water out of the ground and um, and not be so dependent 
which means you are vulnerable. So, and most people are, I think, kind of in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. yeah. Were you always wired that way growing up, or was that something that you learned while being homeless? Um, I don't know. You know, th- there's the childhood that you l- live, and then there's the childhood you remember, mm-hmm. and then there's the lessons you learn, and then your story changes. Yeah. It, right. It's just a natural thing. So yeah. the person I was at when I was born and the person I was at 10 is an entirely different person. Sure. And then 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. And then by the time I got to 50, I thought, I'm this pretty, this is pretty much me. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to 60 and I go like, I'm not the same guy I was at 50. How weird is that? And I thought, well, mm. by 60, I'm definitely that guy. And then yeah. I turned 70 and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I've changed a lot since 60. I've changed a lot since 60. And um, so, you know, if I'm 70, I've got everything that I learned uh-huh. up from the time of my childhood. And, you know, and I have a philosophical view about things mm-hmm. that I didn't have when I was young. Sure. So now I see it through different lens. A different lens, and I'm philosophical. And if I talk about when I was three years old, well, I'm doggone Horatio, you know, <laughs> the philosophical wisdom of the of the age. But you know, I'm pretty sure I was an idiot running around, you know, like most three year oh. three years yeah. old, and they're. Uh, you know, a set of parents that was teaching you, you know, how to stand up and talk. And then yeah. by the time you're three, they regretted it. And it's like, <laughs> sit down and shut up. <laughs> so, yeah, know. seriously. Uh, so I think I, I, I think I learned to be wired that way. Uh-huh. And wiring is a slow process. Uh-huh. It's not like um, like you have this. A lot of people have really stark event, events that happen in their life. And it right. just instantly rewires them and Mm -hmm. I had a lot of stark events I don't think I instantly changed was changed by any of them of course not but all of them you know together well each one changed me but it just took it just took me a while Hmm. you know there's a processing process process you go through that you um you're kind of testing your 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 thoughts and I'm I'll tell you how I'm really wired I question most that which I believe in the deepest. I question it every day. So if if you're if in my case where I feel like I'm a religious person, mm-hmm. I question the existence of God. I think it's a good thing yeah. for me to do because I got people around me who question that. So sure. I think like, well, okay. In fairness to my friends, I'll, yeah. I'll question it, and then I come to a you know a pretty quick conclusion. I I may question my country. I may question you know a business I'm in. I may question a partner. I may question you know I question my kids. My kids question me. You know all of those kinds of things. I I question my dog. <laughs> you know. <laughs> As he's running around here, little, I'm trying yeah. to figure out. Little know. disclaimer, Dennis did bring his dog, Biscuit, on with little us. Yorkie. So you might see some appearances of him. And if we uh, dodge and look around, that's because we're, uh, we're following him around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That is awesome. And you always got to ask questions, right? That's how, you, that's how you learn things in life. And she gets annoyed with me because I ask questions every day. <laughs> What do you want to do? What are we looking at? How are things going? Like it's. He makes me think about things that I'm not exactly comfortable thinking about, and so right. it's kind of the question of the unknown. He makes me question it, and I'm like, "You can not do that. I'd be okay with that." <laughs> well, what's really interesting as I in business, I always found somebody mm-hmm. in business who questioned 
had lots of questions about it, yeah. everything. And eventually, I realized that I had a skill set. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how to teach it. And it's a really bad thing. If you, if, you know, I consider myself a teacher and instructor and, you know, motivator and all that kind of stuff. But when you have skill set that's so uh, ingrained in you and you don't know how it got there, you don't know how to get rid of it. It just is what it is. Okay. And you want to teach somebody it and you can't, you, you know, you feel like mm. an like an idiot. Like, yeah. Well, why can't I, I put this yeah. together? So that's called an unconscious competent. Mm, they're, they're very competent about things. They just uh-huh. don't know why. I just saw a film that was fantastic about Ralph Lauren. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he got into the business by just building a three-inch wide tie. At yeah. a time when tie, he didn't know, he had no idea he had any... Uh, ability for color and matching and fabrics and textures and lighting and 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 he created a multi-billion-dollar empire, right. not knowing and still doesn't know today how it works within him. His staff works around him and they have no idea how it, it functions. And and so there's certain there was a, a thing about me where I was a solution looking for a problem. Mm. Interesting. Right? Interesting. So I had aspect. a skill set yeah. to solve really complex problems that were, you know, either facing my life or the lives of others or a community or, and some of the things that I worked on were global in nature. They solved, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was involved in industry standards that that affect all eight billion people on the planet. It touches every one of them. Yeah. Every day, completely unqualified for anything like that. <laughs> completely, you know, you know. When I sit and talk about some of this stuff, I think, like, I didn't even know what I was working on. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Ha- I had no idea what the impact would um, hmm. would be, and yet there it was, um, doing its thing. So I always had somebody around me that would ask me questions, like, "How would how would you do that?" And I go, and, and the inst- it would be like an instant thing, mm-hmm. you know, where I'd like, Without thinking. you know, some people can look at a maze and go right to the end. And yeah. You've been working on it for a half an hour. Yeah. Like, I can't get there. You know, I keep running into a wall. But some of this stuff would just open uh, open up. So there's the huh. unconscious competent. There is the conscious competent, which mm-hmm. is what I, uh, certain skill sets that I had that were natural that I learned and read enough about to figure out how it worked and I became I, I went from an unconscious competent to a conscious competent huh. and then I could improve the skills and then I could teach other people it right. and then that that to me was the most satisfying and then there's the um, unconscious incompetent uh-huh. they're not aware of their incompetency but they're talking with great authority about something they know nothing about. And sure. we all run into yeah. them all the time, and it's like, right. you actually don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. sometimes they're famous. Sometimes yeah. we watch politicians say the most ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, things, or they come up with them. You know, you just look yeah. at it and go like, well, that's well, that's not competent. Hold on a minute. Okay. Um, and, and those are the huh. people who... Um, probably think that they could do brain surgery with a pen you know yeah, like, oh i can help you I, wa- I stayed at a holiday inn last night uh, and i can do this i went through this seminar i watched one Grey's time. anatomy all 12 seasons i am a doctor yeah right, right. <laughs> seriously and then there's the uh uh unconscious um 
uh, competent. So anyway, you got these okay. four kind of categories yeah. that you were in. And then the secret, I think, of all of this stuff is just to be self-aware. So the most important questions is not the questions that other people ask you. It's the question that yes, you ask yourself. yourself in your mind. And the person that we spend the most amount of time with in our lives is ourselves. There's an ongoing, never-ending conversation. And at some point in time, when you get to be my age, you realize you're just barely, barely starting to understand yourself. Hmm. let alone anybody else. Yeah. So, you know, you have um, a couple like you, yeah. as cute as could be, and, um, y- you know, at some point in time, you, you go, like, I don't even know me, and I want her to know me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know me, and I can tell she's not, yeah. doesn't know everything about me, right. and, and vice versa. And, and so, you know, um, we all have to have a lot of patience with each other. We have to listen before we are understood which is yeah. you know very difficult to do and 100 uh, percent. you know yeah. i'm only 26 she's 25 so that is definitely something that you as i get older the more and more i realize i don't know and don't understand because you know when you're wandering around at 10 15 you're like i know everything mm-hmm. i own this world i run the world and now at, as i've ran some businesses for some years you realize you don't know anything and you have to ask yourself those questions every day of am i the best person i can be am i doing this as i should be doing are you surrounding yourself with the people that are asking you those questions yeah so i look at it um i look at our thinking like software Mm -hmm. so i have this thing about um you know for my age i'm massively uh active on social media and on facebook i'm like a demon <laughs> you know I, I i you know i'm one of those crazy people uh-huh. that shows every meal i have yeah but every meal i make is an art form yeah. so i you know i compete with women in italy as <laughs> as an italian thing and i and at one point in time i got in trouble because mm-hmm. i was ranked number one oh my goodness by thirty-five thousand women in italy <laughs> that's so from funny. idaho that's you know so funny. on traditional italian cooking but, uh-huh. but they would look at what i would do and, uh-huh. and then you know and then the next thing i i found when i did that on social media was i i would get women that would look at what i was doing and go like how did you how did you where'd you learn that and it's that i don't know yeah i have no idea hmm. i just started looking at it i don't know where the plate's going to go till sure. the end i it, it's like those cooking shows where you're given four terrible yeah things you got to make a gourmet meal and Uh i go to my pantry and i got four terrible things and i go like hey this is like a game show and you know in a way i go and people like wow that's fantastic how did you how did you do that so you're like it either turns out real good or real bad yeah so i have lots of people on facebook that just follow me for my cooking and my food and how do i plate and the coloring and how did Uh. i cut this and how do i how do you make a tomato into a rose and Mm. all this stuff and of course the really frustrating thing that I get is every once in a while somebody will come, you know, ask me a question. I just have a personal question. Are you gay? No, I'm not gay. I just like I'm I like to a, cook. I like I'm an artist. You know, <laughs> not every artist is gay. And this isn't yeah. to take away from That's gay so people funny. At, at all. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I so love that. yeah, so you, you you end up with a um, kind of a, a stigmatism, flare. yeah, right, and and so. Um, uh, yeah, and so those stigmatisms aren't yeah. aren't, aren't good, right? Um, and uh, and of course, I have many gay friends in my life, and right. family members who are uh, gay, and I love them uh, all. And all of them, are, you know, are choosing things that are important to them. Like yeah. I choose things that are important to me. Uh-huh. And one of them happens to be um, 
uh, cooking. And, and then I oh, have that. a thing on Facebook where I do a quote me quote. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. every every day I have this, uh, yeah. you know, and it'll happen here. Oh. I will say something. I'll go, I got to remember that. That's a little good. That little sentence is good. And then I'll create a quote me quote and then I'll put it on uh-huh. the oh. the internet. So people okay. see, so people look at that and they go like, yeah. you know, I'm looking for his quote for the day. Or I'll, I'll do um, a, a, a political piece. I got about 5 million readers. Uh-huh. And so I, I'll do a political piece and, and I write it for a particular audience, but I'm very careful. No bullying, no name yeah. calling. Sure. And I'm all about, I'm seldom about the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always about the policy. So I'm more of a policy. Yeah. And and people will politely, you know, think like, sure. I, I think you went over the board. And then I, you know, <laughs> and I'll, I'll look at it. And, and banter. Yeah. And I may have worded, could have worded something more artfully but you know i I didn't and i got pictures of dogs and sunsets and families Uh and all all, all that that. kind of stuff but it's going all the time because you know why yeah because i'm a teenager (laughs) you never grew up right i I never grew up so this goes back to this software that's in our mind so Uh i am when i turned 70 in may i got on my facebook page and i said i hey i just released version 70 to the world <laughs> and, and tomorrow i'll work on version 71 and i'm very aware self-aware mm-hmm. of what version of software i'm in and mm-hmm. every once in a while and it'll happen in this conversation perhaps version 17 comes out well version mm-hmm. 17 of me is an idiot <laughs> so I'll say something profoundly stupid. I can't uh-huh. get it out. It's already a- out. It's sure. been recorded if, yeah. if it gets recorded and if I, I say it, you know, and I'm restraining uh-huh. 17 inside of me. He's, he's yeah. like yearning to be f- free. Released, there's, yeah. There's version eight uh-huh. running around. They, they have really crazy huh. uh, bugs in them and version 71's trying to like um, correct them. Yeah. But here's the good news. I like to. I like that. I know the little guy still inside of me. Yeah. I love that. I love the teenager yeah, that's he still inside of me. I like the the young married guy or young single guy mm-hmm. trying to do something in his life. Sure. I like the young married guy, the older married guy. I like the father uh, part of me and the grandfather part of me. You know, I really, I really like it all, and I like the pieces and parts of it. And then trying to figure out, um, and this is what you'll find mm-hmm. out. How do, what age do I become the best version of me? I was going to ask you that question of when did that unconscious competency become conscious competency? You, you know, one of the best... Uh, I, I was really, in my youth, I was really treated poorly mm-hmm. and I wanted to be popular and I couldn't be popular. I, I just... You know the versions were yeah. <laughs> too. Software was wrong. The software was uh, <laughs> wrong, and I would do things to create attention. And uh-huh. you know, I thought like the girls were really like this, and you know, yeah. I would do some stupid thing. The uh-huh. girls yeah. would be horrified. Like what? <laughs> right. the, what the hell's wrong with that guy? There's something wrong with that. That that kid needs brain surgery. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> he doesn't need a he doesn't need a girlfriend, and I'm uh-huh. sure not going to be. Yeah. It. So um, so I think. Um, there's something about my personality that has always been there Mm -hmm. where people felt safe to criticize me, to cut to the chase, Mm. to say it sometimes in very tough language, sometimes meant to hurt. Yeah. Um, I I was really good about never personalizing anything. 
I might try to defend it, but I would mm-hmm. walk away always about it as retrospective. The thing that made me retrospective was everybody criticizing yeah. me. And then pretty soon, I got smart enough to ask for the criticism. Huh. I didn't wait for somebody to, like, didn't okay, he's such an it. idiot, and he's gone so far. I, I now have to say something to, yeah. to Dennis to protect Dennis from um, Dennis. So before I got there, I, you know, I would ask um, for criticism. And it could be simple things like, does this suit look good on me? Uh-huh. No, uh, it doesn't fit. Uh, you got high water pants. You, you know your belt. Yeah. yeah. Does this shirt? Does this tie? This is this. That <laughs> does the way I uh, 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 the way in which I talk, my accent, whatever it was. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure a way to find the best ver- version of me. And then the, there was a, a thing that happened that was really interesting. Was the view I had of myself and the view that other people had of me, and the they were different. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the man in the mirror, and I wanted the man in the mirror to be like this yeah, guy, okay. you know, and um, and have people see me the way I saw me, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, I'm a good person, and yeah. you know, and and probably better than what they th- thought of me. And so, I started to realize that the person I was looking in the mirror that I thought was good was good because that was my goal. That didn't mean I had arrived at that version, you know? And so it was trying to get the two mirrors to be uh, lined up. So at 70, Mm. those two mirrors are still not lined up. They're getting closer, you know? (laughs) They're getting closer. But I want to see me as other people see me, and I want other people... Um, I, I want to see me how other people see me. I just want them to be the same yeah, person. So sure. I think that's kind of the struggle in 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 life, and mm-hmm. it's painful. Right. It's painful when you realize that people don't see you in a favor favorable light when you have a favorable view of yourself. Mm-hmm. So the other problem is what we do and the intent of what we do, mm-hmm. which gave me a great capacity in times in my life where people were particularly unkind or cruel to me or had a hidden hidden agenda mm-hmm. I always stopped looking at what they were doing and I looked at what was the intent so sometimes people say things that really are hurtful yeah right, right. but what's the intent I'd rather focus on the intent so if the, the intent in hurting my feelings or hurting an observation if the intent was love then I you know I just I got to look at through that yeah. lens instead of the lens of hurt because the lens of hurt has never helped me. The mm-hmm. lens of anger has never helped me. The lens of of love or forgiveness or being humble or taking my little ego and yeah. you know pushing it outside the door for long enough for me to deal with it and let my ego come back and and huh. say okay ego let you know yeah. calm down. You got to <laughs> look at it this way. You got to see things uh, huh. through other people's eyes. So being real in life is the hardest thing in life. <laughs> Just being real yeah. Yeah. with yourself. How, so taking those versions, how do you not let yourself, the one that you see, not become a victim to what other people see? Well, you just decide you're not a victim, that you're on a quest for self-improvement. Victims inherently believe they, that everybody else has to change. The fact, the way I know I'm not a victim is mm-hmm. I work on me changing, and I don't spend a lot of time looking at how other people are going to change. I'm, I'm, I'm just not interested 
in it. I don't have enough life, and I'm you know I'm working on me, so I don't have time to to um, to tell them you know how to yeah. live their life or whatever. And I'm very careful about uh, opinions that I have uh-huh. of people so if i have a harsh opinion you know recently people have been asking me about particular politicians and if i have a harsh opinion about them Mm -hmm. you know i realize it sounds harsh to my ears but i'm really talking about policy or competency Uh which are two you know really important things (laughs) to me when people are trying to uh lead or represent Uh you um i i realize i'm being pretty tough and at some point in time i go but you know, they're probably a really nice person. Yeah. Probably a great dad. Probably mm-hmm. a great aunt or uncle or you know whatever. A great father. You know, I have great friends and, and yeah. stuff. And so I, you know, at some point in time, I I just have to I just have to stop it. So. Huh. Hey, biscuit, biscuit is uh, making his appearance. Hey, biscuit. <laughs> that is very interesting. I love that. I love that life view, and that's definitely yeah. something that I want to implement into my own. How, what. I mean, you obviously were driven to kind of start a business and help people. What was your first business that you started helping people in? Paper route. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, you know, when I was raised, when I was sent to live with my grandparents, the mm-hmm. shock for me was um, a whole host of, of things. Um, and my my grandfather basically said, "Okay, you're here, you're seven years old, and here's the deal: uh, you got to pull your own weight, so you got to pay rent, you mm-hmm. got to do all of this uh, stuff." So I ended up with two paper routes: okay, um, the Seattle Times in the evening, and the Post Intelligencer in the morning, and then I mm-hmm. had, on average, um, uh, six or seven lawns to cut after I got done with school, okay. and so. I, and as a result, I was really a poor student. Mm-hmm. Um, my um, my grandfather um, often often said, "Dennis, you, you know you're mentally retarded." And hearing that, you know, at some point in time, I was so poor at school, but my skill sets for hiding it were tremendous. Right. It's sort of like biscuit here. I didn't realize how big biscuits. Uh, eye problem was if you look into his eyes you, you can see the see cataract you can tell. Uh, a couple of months ago that wasn't there yeah. in the house I can't tell because he's right. got the house memorized sure. um, if I take him out somewhere he his personality changes and he become you know he's kind of skittish skittish yeah. and he's looking around and I notice any sound that I do any click I do like I just yeah. did there he he does he can't tell where it's coming from or sure. what it uh, it is so he in the house, he masks it because I can't see it because he jumps up and you know he kind of knows where I'm at. He knows where his dish is at and all that kind of stuff. He's like Dad. And um, in uh, so in school, I was like, I was like, biscuit. Yeah. You know, I could hide people. Uh-huh. People thought I was smart. My students did, but my teachers like, you know, there's <laughs> there's something wrong with the this. elevator's not going to the floor on this kid, and this <laughs> guy's not getting the lessons. Well, I didn't get the lessons because I couldn't do the homework, and I couldn't do the homework because I had a paper route and lawns yeah. to cut, and and you know, I had rent to pay, and sure. I had to buy my own clothing, and you know, and I'm looking around at other seven years olds, and I I inherently know like, you know, they don't have to pay rent. 
rent. They don't have to yeah. buy their own food. They don't, you know, there's not yeah. some sort of accounting going right. on about work productivity. They just got to be a kid. Um, kid. Yeah, they just got to be a kid. So, um, at at, uh, at at some point in time, that self reflection um, came around. Like, okay, if I got to work at seven years old. And like, oh, what do I, what am I going to, I had nothing mm-hmm. else to do but to think about how to make my paper out more efficient. Sure. For example, in lawns, my grandfather paid me per job. Mm-hmm. He didn't pay me by the hour. Okay. He paid me per job. And at some point in time, I figured out like, wow, I can make more per hour if I run behind the lawnmower. <laughs> Plus, I get done earlier. Mm-hmm. Plus, I may just have enough time to do just mm. enough homework that continue to hide my learning disability <laughs> that is quite profound that nobody knows uh, about. And so I would run. Uh-huh. I, and, and that's where I, I learned um, to work. Huh. It was the first time I kind of used math in my head sure. to use it to my um, uh, advantage. You know, and with my paper route, it's like I could go faster if I put saddles on my bike mm. and rode and threw the paper as I was going mm. along. I could go even faster if I prefold the papers at the stand, put it in my thing, and as I'm driving along, I would throw it and Chuck I would it run. It, you know, and sometimes I would go too fast. Sure. I, I threw, so I broke a couple. I, no, I broke <laughs> a couple of windows, <laughs> which is you know one window in a paper route. Is like Cut a your month. profits. Yeah, yeah, like a month of profits. You know, <laughs> so you break two windows, and you know you're sl- like you're doing a lot of work for a lot of nothing. And um, so, you know, I, I learned um, that to be efficient, I had to go fast. But if I went too fast, I would break something. Mm-hmm. And, and you so, were not sufficient. And I wasn't as efficient, and it was costly. Mm-hmm. Um, and those became mm-hmm. um, uh, lessons uh, for me. And then. Um, you know, being homeless, I didn't learn anything there. Sure. Other than I was lonely and yeah. it was sad. Yeah. And, uh, but a, you know, a thought is a billionth of a watt of electricity. That's all it is. One thought, one billionth of a watt can change the world mm. or change a person's life. It's just such a little teeny <laughs> thing of energy, yeah. you know, and, and you get these little things and you you want to get it you know what if i can make this two billion watts this yeah. billionth of a watt you know <laughs> and the only way you can do that is you pass your your one billionth of a watt to somebody else now you got two billionths of one watt and then three mm-hmm. billions and you know so jc penny said um uh success is duplication of your efforts through others yeah right so i you know i'm thinking like okay i got to duplicate myself some how some mm-hmm. someday and that and that that little uh philosophy um grew but what homelessness did to me was take take me from the transformation of i'm nobody going nowhere and this is this is incredibly sad <laughs> i have a worthless life mm-hmm. uh, i was afraid that i was going to die mm-hmm. homeless yeah i had nothing on me that yeah. said who i was i didn't have any idea identification i didn't have a license i had nothing Mm. and i saw my grave stone Mm. 
it said John Doe. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not John Doe, and That's I want to be Joe, uh, John Doe or unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the, you know, one of the kind of tragedies that happened, a very tragic day in my life that had um, impacted me. You want me to stop? Nope, you're good. You're Keep good, going. you're good. The voice is still going, just the camera. Um, one of the things that impacted me uh, was I was 12 or 13 years old and I went to my grandmother and I got like uh, I want to go home yeah I, I, I you know it's great staying here paying rent and working <laughs> like a slave for you guys and, <laughs> yeah. you know cutting lawns and I love uh-huh. it it couldn't be any more fun I'm uh-huh. having such a great childhood here. <laughs> can I go home and yeah. my grandmother said well you can't go home and I go well why can't I go home well your parents got a divorce what are you kidding me? When did they get a divorce? You know, five years ago. What? I, you wow. know, and I kept, I kept having this thing. I'm going to go home. And she said, uh, I said, well, where are my brother and sister at? Well, they're, they're with your dad. Well, why can't I live with my dad like them? He's not your dad. What? Oh, are are you kidding me? Of course he's my dad. My last name's Conforto. His name is Conforto. Yeah. Your last name's not Conforto. What? She's... She said, he, he's not your father. And I, she, I said, who is my father? I don't know. What? So she gets my birth certificate out. And on my birth certificate, it says, Mother, Idella May Josephine Berlou. Hmm. Father, in parentheses, unknown. Oh. It was so impactful to me. Yet you cannot believe. I ran into my bedroom, closed the door, and cried on the bed. Yeah. Because... Everything that I wanted and everything that was important to me, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my family, everything I identified with, everybody that I was telling, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to go back home. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to go back home. You know, I got, you know, uh, my my parents look like uh, Lucy and Arnie. Was it Arnie Darnaz? but anyway, they look like that that mm-hmm. famous TV couple, and you know, and I had this um, dream, fantasy, whatever you want to call, it, that I was going to go home and I'm going to be yeah. back at this yeah. place, and then all of a sudden I realized I was never going to go back home. Huh. My f- my dad's not my dad. My name is not my name. Mm. My name was really Berlu, and. And I loved Conforto. Yeah. I loved the way it sounded. It was unique and different. And Berlou sounded sound, right? sound, like you a know, burlap like, sack. Yeah, like I am, you know. And I felt like a sack. I looked like a sack, but I didn't want to be a sack. I wanted to be a Conforto. And uh, you know, and, and it answered a question because my brother's name is Sebastian, and my sister's name is Roseanne, and mm. you know. And I like how did I get the name Dennis? Mm-hmm. What a weird yeah. name! And I and I totally lived up to the name. Yeah. And uh, it, it just an interesting thing. The guy who created the Dennis Menace character 30 years earlier was at my same high school. He went to high school no there. And, uh, it's just so interesting. But, you know, it was the whole Dennis the Menace. And uh-huh. um, I had a nickname in, in, uh, in grade school that I hated, which, you know, how they 
take your name and change, yeah. Yeah, change it. Yeah. But it was my whole name. Oh. Den ass can fart on his toe. <laughs> oh my God. It was so awful. <laughs> I hated it. It's like, oh, here we go again. Den ass can fart on his toe. You're like, yes, yes, um, I know. You know, confardo, uh, you know, just confado yeah. when I was, uh, was uh, you got gaining weight. I, I got the full gamut. gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, kind of, it, it led me down another path about um, things like uh, prejudice, racism. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it led me to the conclusion that racism is just a form of prejudice. We just got a name for it, yeah. and we have politicized it, and then uh, people use that to control people's talk and dialogue. You know, if they don't like what you say, it's racist. Even yeah. has, it's yeah. the last thing that's in your true, mind. Nothing to do with it, right? Yeah. And uh, and then I realized at some point in time that everybody needs to cut it out because everybody's experienced prejudice. Mm-hmm. Prejudice of age, of yeah. weight, of education, of income, of color of skin, baldness, too much hair, too long hair, too short hair. Anything you, know, you can think a- of. Anything you can um, think of. And to think mm-hmm. that people can't identify with that you know well you don't know because you weren't eating you know you didn't weigh 500 pounds huh? mm. you know well i weighed 365 pounds at one time yeah that's true i didn't know what it was like to be 500 pounds but i had uh, a pretty good i i had a pretty good idea sure. you know um but everybody has enough empathy to have empathy if they want to yeah which huh. is why i rejected um, victimhood, right? You know, okay. it's like I, I, and I don't like it when I see other people yeah. do it, and I don't like the victim, uh, the business of victimhood creation. I watch people, you know, on a national level that teach, you know, that you are owed, um, owed something, something. Yeah. and we are all owed nothing. Mm-hmm. We all have the right to go pursue our own happiness, make our own choices. Um, we get to decide whether somebody's idiotic prejudice is going to affect us, and you know, and their prejudice is more about them. It has nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. and so, and, and that's why I'm not going to be a, a victim of it. And so, I, you know, I sometimes people say things that are not good. You know, uh, there's a a word uh, used for somebody like me, cracker. I've never been offended by it. I, I've never been offended by I it. I personally haven't either. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I get. And if people want, if people choose to be offended uh, by things, that's you know that's their um, prerogative. And there's some people I can tell who wake up every day to look on the internet to see what they can be offended by, and then uh, um, go pronounce like I'm totally offended by uh, this, and we generate this. This uh, we use it as a way hatred. to be the victim. Well, you know, and so we it, right? we create a lot of hatred mm. as a result of it. Um, and the, you know, I love the internet, and I love uh, I, I love social media and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. What I don't like about it is people become a little bit anonymous, <laughs> and they say inherently say things that they would never say to a person's face, mm-hmm. right? And they feel very comfortable. Yeah. Behind too, that, they're hiding behind wall. the screen. Too comfortable, and they and then the hate increases and the vitriol increases, and it's all fake. Yeah, it's all not real. It's just 
you know, everybody's little childhood comes out. The little <laughs> bull, you know, people who complain about bullies then turn around bully people. Mm-hmm. You know, the very thing that they are complaining about is the very thing that they themselves are doing, and they they're not reflective enough Don't to even see it. it. Yeah. So and. And this happens not only in a nation and a community, but it happens in families and relationships. I mean, it gets down to the, you know, yeah. to the minute detail, the minute detail of, of, uh, of, of relationships. And as a result, for me, the America that I grew up in and America today is very different. Diff- it's a different version. Yeah. Different software. It's a different software. And I the software that. is, is not only national, but it's global yeah. and then and the the and if you look at news media outlets they have discovered that the most profitable news is bad news even mm-hmm. if you enhance it and make it w- worse than what it is it's okay because there's some sort of moral high ground that they have <laughs> by creating all this yeah. distress in everybody that that somehow they're helping the world and making it a um, a better um, place. Nice. So they hunt for bad news. They're looking for paradigms mm-hmm. that it fits into a narrative. They they find the narrative, and there's plenty of stuff going on on right. all both sides of the narrative. They and then after a while you. You look at the news and you realize that every three days, the newslets have uh, a three or four or five word phrase that they're all using at the same time. And you're beginning to realize that the phraseology is so unique that it's all programmed, Hmm. that they're all feeding off of an echo chamber to justify the business that they're in. And it's, you know, it's really... Interesting. And it affect, affects business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it 100% affects, it affects business. Politics. It affects um, yeah. um, the world. And it's not like politics doesn't have a big enough platform on its own. <laughs> so it, it takes politics <laughs> and inserts it into music, yeah. into sports, into science, into medicine, into, you know, between yeah. nations and politics is a blood sport. It is the yeah. same sport that uh, that the Romans had when they had the Colosseum. It's the same <laughs> stuff. It's, yeah. You know, it's as it cruel is. as it, it can be. And people, at some point in time, you got to pull um, out of it. And, and it's one of the reasons I write about what I yeah. write about because I'm trying to get beyond um, the politics of something to the. Um, the common sense of something. So, yeah. do you have a, a blog then that you put all this stuff on? No, no, just no. Write? No, I just write. I just publish it. I got, uh, I got uh, publications <laughs> that pick up my stuff. I put it mm. on Facebook. I put a, you know, on LinkedIn. You know, I have some postings yeah. that, you know, in a couple hours, I'll have two and a half million views. And that's so you know, cool. Yeah. So, Are you like a ghostwriter for other publications, then, or is it all? No, no. It's, a, it's just my stuff. It's me. I don't. I'm not going <laughs> to hide. I, I have a brand. It's me. Mm-hmm. And um, and the other reason I like writing is, is because it's the same thing. I look for the criticism. Mm-hmm. I you know people think that I'm trying to find a compliment and stuff and the likes and you know I, I you know I see the number of likes and it's great. I see yeah. the number of views. But what I really go down is look for the criticism because I question most that what I believe in most mm-hmm. and I look at it and say, okay, was I fair or not fair? How do I do it? Yeah. And then I'm very respectful in all of my uh, responses. I think people seem to like 
they like my articles, but what they really like is my responses to <laughs> criticism. Because they, they, you know, privately they'll message me like, mm-hmm. "Wow, that was really artful the way you did that." <laughs> I'm like, you know, I respect and, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 they like me because I'm trying to be kind and I'm pro- trying to be respectful. And then they, you know, and they would tell me privately, I would have blown them up. Yeah. I would have totally blown them up. Yeah. Completely. I would have <laughs> but a lot of people them. who put the criticism, they're looking for that reaction. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. That, well, I don't feed hate with hate. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, so Kill them with kindness. The, the, the ultimate power in the universe, ultimately, is love. Mm-hmm. And love is really hard to do consistently. Yeah. If we you had know. a lot more of it, this world would be a much different place. Yeah, and everybody inherently know, knows it. So if you yeah. think about all of the problems that are going on in the in the world, I've been to 119 countries. Mm. It's, you know, what I've found despite the dominant religion in that country, the dominant political view, the cultures, the foods, and all of that stuff, it still comes down to the same thing. People love their families. People yeah. want to have a good job. Yeah. People want to have warmth and shelter. They want to just get a... Uh, along and the people who make it difficult to make that happen are people who gain power who are supposed to represent you and instead make a slight change they're no longer representing you they're leading you Mm. and i and uh, that's why you know when i i don't talk about my country's leaders i talk about my country's representatives because they're supposed to represent the people so if you look about like how congress uh works when i see a whole single party uh, vote in lockstep i inherently know that a district in alaska thinks different than a district in san francisco that Mm -hmm. thinks different than a district in oklahoma that thinks different than a district in florida and they're all supposed to represent their district and they don't they represent a a party when you represent a party you're not representing america you're representing a a party so the problem with victimhood creation is it creates single issue voters Mm. who so if for example Mm -hmm. if you take a social issue an emotional issue like abortion abortion right then you don't care if your party starts a war somewhere in the world and Mm -hmm. you know you don't think about about it so if uh, and I tend to be a multi-issue person, and I look at the, I, I get past what they're talking about. I don't care about the person they're talking about and demeaning. Mm. I, I know inherently it's not real, and it's you know they're making a cartoon character out of their sure. opponent. All I care about is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And if I listen very carefully, they either sound like an idiot, right? Or it's manipulative, mm-hmm. or they're you know doing whatever. If it costs five billion dollars to elect a president in the United States, two and a half billion dollars on each side of the party, I guarantee you, somebody owes somebody out of that five billion dollars, mm-hmm. and it ain't and it ain't the American people who are getting the value of mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. money that they're is not. being spent there. Yeah. If you think about news media organizations and advertising, mm-hmm. it, it's it's no wonder why you got right leaning and left leaning because yeah. the if I most of my money as a politician goes back to the media. Yeah, so if I am the yes. media stirring up the dirt. <laughs> I'm stirring up the dirt because I'm getting I'm income. Getting money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting money for it. Then if you huh. begin to follow the money trail, you begin to understand this isn't representation of people in a 
in a district. This yeah. is a rep- representation of big mm. money of people yeah. calling in uh, favors, favors, right? If you look at the amount of money, and that, and then at some point in time, you sit back and you go, like, how do we get thirty-one trillion dollars in debt <laughs> when we should have a surplus? Yeah, not a debt. Seriously. Yeah. We shouldn't have any debt. We should have uh, a, a surplus. And then yeah. nobody can really account for where, where it all went. went. And everybody knows that there's a, you can only kick the can down the end of the road for a period of time. And guess what? You know what the period of time is? What history shows us that period of time is? I don't know. 250 years. Hmm. And guess where we're at? Where we're at that mark? We're 257. Yeah. And here we Ooh. are... Uh, we're due for a turn then. We're the largest debtor in the world. And I look yeah. at that like, and w- w- what bunch of idiots did that? <laughs> yeah. And, gr- and here's the thing about people who represent us. They're never held accountable for it. They're not. They're really right. not. No, no. They, they can do the most <clears throat> awful thing and go, well, I, I got voted out of office. And they can sit back and whatever power and thing and pension things that they yeah. got. And they... Ultimately, when you look at the votes, this is self-interest votes, not the interest of um, of um, Of the people. Of the people. I mean, really, how can you get a hundred percent vote on anything? And then the really Hmm. bad thing they did was they took bills, five hundred bills, and put it into one bill instead of five hundred separate bills, and then hide all of their stuff inside of it. (laughs) Then name it something that it's not. Yeah. You know, like the Freedom of American Speech Act or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and in it is everything that would take freedom of speech away. And then every port project and the bridge to nowhere and funding foreign countries who are, are you know, nothing enemies. Nothing to do with us, no, yeah. Nothing. And Congress, uh, uh, members of Congress get 3,000-page bill that they got to read in 24 hours. And hence, we get a quote of a famous politician who says, well, We'll know what we get after we vote for it. Like, what? <laughs> really? What? And I'm not pl- picking on a particular per- person sure. or a particular. And it's why eventually I go, like, okay, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm going to identify as an independent. But you know what I really identify as? An American. Yeah. That's what I identify. 100%. I don't want to identify as a Republican. I don't want to identify because they're the same they're different sides of the same coin working under the same rules that don't serve us. Yeah. So their system is is broken. So you can send good people to Congress and good people to the Senate and they're caught up in a machine that mm. they can't get out of, run by bureaucrats who yeah. never leave and you know, and you're stuck in that reality. Huh. How how would you take all that and navigate it uh, building a family in today's day and age? Well, you know, there's a scripture related to that, to be of the world and not of the world. To render under Caesar that which is Caesar and render under God which is God. But it's very difficult because this stuff reaches down into your children. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, when I was a, a, a kid. One of the bad things that happens to all of us, to you, to me, to every human being, his children are so innocent. Yes. They're so wonderful, even when they're knuckleheads and yeah. you know, run around. But you look at it in the joy. And you, you learn a lot at an airport. I've spent a lot of time <laughs> in an airport. I've got 
um, eight million <coughs> air miles. Wow. So that's two and a half years of my life in a plane. In a plane, and then five years of my life looking for my luggage. So that's seven, ten <laughs> percent of my life was looking for my luggage and sitting on a plane. Oh but in goodness. an airport, you watch something ma- magical happen with kids. The adults don't talk to each other. They're all like, wall, wall, wall. Take a kid running around saying hi to everybody, and everybody wants to talk to the kid. And the most staunch, mean-looking tattoo guy goatee down to his, Mm -hmm. you know, belt that you would be scared of. All of a sudden, you realize you can't. You're not scared of him because he's talking to the kid. Hi, come here, come here, and doing little (laughs) stories, and 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 the kid comes out in in, in him. and uh, I recently was on a on a, a, a flight, and a little kid walked up the aisle and wanted to shake hands with her. Hi, how are you? How are you? And <laughs> That's I would so think awesome. if an adult did that, I go like, Oh man, yeah. <laughs> gonna happen. there's yeah. something wrong. That's strange. And and, it, it, and so one of the things that happens is as we grow, um, a, adulthood takes away our innocence because other hmm. people have. Are taking our innocence. You think of all the things that you sh- really shouldn't have known that hasn't helped you, or stories, or things, or images, or whatever it is. Yeah. You didn't. You, you it really. You shouldn't have uh, have seen or heard or uh, horrific events in the news. Um, all of it. You watch a little small child. Uh, the first time you watch a movie with them, and they see violence for the first time on TV. Mm. It's a visceral reaction. They they they're like, what, what? People do that to yeah. and they understand it, and it and and in that moment, you strip something from, from them, them, and it continues to strip and strip and strip. Hmm. Every once in a while in your life, and it happens, you know, I it's happened to me sometimes. You meet a really intelligent, articulate adult human being who, for some reason, got through all of it and never lost their innocence. You could tell them a bad joke and they have no idea what you're talking about. They can't put it together because they can't um, conceive it. In some ways, you can tell them a joke that is obviously not correct. correct, correct, And they'll believe you because they're innocent because they got like why, why would you lie to me yeah, yeah. you know huh. why would you tell me the reason he sounds like a frog because he ate a frog you know like and and, and they would go like oh oh, oh I, that makes sense i'm not gonna eat a frog yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know right um so huh. yeah keeping keeping our innocent you know one of the things you do if you're trying to find the best version of yourself is try to find, even though you know what you know, reverting back to being innocent again. I mean, really. Going back to knowing what you didn't know. Going back to know what you didn't know, or at least viewing the world from that. That you don't know. That you don't know. So, you know, uh, you know part, of, part of it is, you know, waging war with yourself. It's really about victory over self, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. And if you think about that uh, victory over self, you see, here's my quote me quotes coming, right? In my mind, I'm like, wow, this is good. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to write that. Facebook. I love that. People are going to go like, I love that. Where did you come from that? Well, watch this podcast. (laughs) You'll see it. You'll see see it. So you have have this kind of uh, um, this 
um, self-reflective thing where you're kind of waging war with yourself. But the interesting thing, if you wage war with yourself long enough and people watch it, they begin to wage war with themselves. Hmm. And then they're not focused on the mistakes of others. They're focused on their own uh, mistakes. So, you know, if you want to change the world, you got to change yourself. Quote me. <laughs> um, and if you and if you can change yourself, uh-huh. then you can change the people uh, around uh, you. Around you, yeah. and then you become interested en- enough, and you end up on a pat- podcast. And people say, "How did you end up thinking the way that you you yeah. you think?" So here I am. There you go. We love it. That is extremely powerful, and yeah. it, it brings me back to uh, this like is a, the best podcast you'll ever have. Uh, this is great by far. It probably will yeah. be. Uh, it, it takes me back to bask <laughs> in the moment. You'll be doing this thirty years from now, and you go, "Do you remember that one time? Oh, that I one guy that. with this little dog? <laughs> that that one guy with the I was very excited when he said you were bringing your dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'll, I'll stick no, around. As soon as I, I like that, as soon as I said, "Can I bring my dog?" I'm thinking like they're going to think I'm codependent on my dog, but my dog is dependent on me. Yeah. I'm doing it for my dog. Yeah. Oh, I love dogs. Anytime anybody brings a dog in the store, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Her, but, I yeah. mean, you're okay, but like the dog. Ten minutes yeah. just before you showed yeah. up, we had a well, dog and then you, around. Yeah, and then you you go like Dennis was great, but wasn't his dog awesome? That biscuit was great. That biscuit yeah, was great. He was great. He's the star of the show. Hey, everybody should be a dog. <laughs> I you know I think about that often. Of man, my dog got it so good. Great owners. I love They're always happy. They're just like, happy. All the time. Yeah. The yeah. most important thing to a dog is the human. Yeah. And it, it takes me back to, uh, I'm in this coaching group, and uh, one of the guys in there, nine-figure construction company, he has a book that he carries around with him, and it's called his Don't Know Book. Yeah. So he, he takes himself back to the things that he doesn't know. He said, yeah. don't act like you know something. Put it in the don't know book. No, yeah. I love that, and it speaks to everything that you were just talking about. Of well, don't act like you know. Yeah. So because of my homelessness mm-hmm. and so forth, I never went to college. I never went to school. I never sure. did, did anything. So you know that led me. And when by the time I graduated from high school, I was illiterate, mm-hmm. really truly illiterate. I'd only read one book, mm-hmm. one story, and it had a ma- major impact on me. And it was the life story of Amelia Earhart. And so I'm reading the book, and I'm like, oh, I like. Yeah. Man, she's just so cool and you know I'm, I'm like wow this is the first her- heroin I ever had you know I just like, like and I get to the end of the book and it didn't end with and she lived happily ever after yeah. she it, died it did and not. nobody knew where she went mm-hmm. she disappeared and I'm yeah. like that's an awful story and I'll never read another book the rest of my <laughs> life I, they're supposed to supposed to be with happy the, right? well that's why we call them fairy tales yeah. Yeah. because of that one line at the end and they lived happily ever after because yeah. we don't we rarely don't um, see it. But anyway, that led me uh, uh, at some point in, in time. I knew I almost everybody I met in my life was smarter than me, and I was like, I don't have time for college. I've already got kids, and you know, I I I, I didn't yeah. get things in the right um, order, and so that led me uh, to the point where I read you know four to eight books of uh, a week still. Mm. Um, I'm online reading. I'm on my phone yeah. reading co- constantly. So my I don't know book is doesn't exist because Sorry. if I don't know it, I look it up like right, right now. Yeah. You know. So if my kids, you know, my kids find that I'm faster than Google, so they just call me up. You know, yeah. I need that. What's the question to yeah. this? <laughs> Let's call Google. 
Yeah. You know, dad. <laughs> combination of, you know. And I then you get that. and then you get a story along with it yeah. that you can't get on, on 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 Google in an analogy and then they go like, Okay, Dad, I gotta laugh, I gotta go see you, bye. <laughs> Thanks no. for the answer. Yeah, thanks for the short answer that lasted for an hour. So, uh, yeah. You're like, okay, goodbye. They'll come to appreciate those yeah. lessons one day, I'm sure. Yeah. Dennis, I know you founded multiple businesses. What what one are you in right now? What are you doing right now? Is it just your writing thing? Are you just hanging out, cooking? Like, what's well, your I always cook. All of yeah. the above. So, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to do this podcast, mm-hmm. I just did a I did it just did a podcast with a uh, there was more of a one on a religious na- nature it was a mm-hmm. Mormon bishop who wanted to ask me about my experience as a Mormon yeah. missionary and um, I did that last week and the week before it was all politics from a group um, uh, out of uh, Georgia mm-hmm. and I don't mean Georgia the United States I mean over by Ukraine because yeah. they wanted to know my um, opinions and, and all that kind of stuff about various things, geopolitical um, things. But I decided that I wanted to do uh, a podcast Mm -hmm. um, and wanted to do something that was really unique and and different. So I came here because I wanted to see your mics and how they work. I wanted to see the lighting that you um, did. I wanted to see the headphones and and stuff. So I I came here to learn. Uh, And I've I've learned a lot just by... um, um, watching this so I wanted to do a you know it's like how do I do all the things that I'm really interested in so yeah. maybe I have a podcast where I have my, a quote me quote at the beginning and a quote me quote at the end and I, I show that. it and then, you know I give it and I set it to music and then uh, and I love to cook and so maybe I, I cook for people On in my kitchen yeah. kitchen while I'm making something yeah. and and then I use it as a political thing and then I find people that think the opposite of me i invite people who don't like me you know and say you know if you got so it's like politics if i'm trying to build something that works if Mm -hmm. i use too much sugar i'm going to ruin it yeah if i use too much salt if i use too much flour if i use too much whatever so if i'm too much democrat i'm going to ruin it if i'm too much republican Mm -hmm. and there's a balance to doing it and sometimes Mm -hmm. you know a more democratic view is good sometimes uh, you, you know a republican view uh, uh, but how do i end up with a, an american pie <laughs> an apple american pie with yeah. a, a bunch of little ingredients on there that make up how america thinks and works and i thought like wow that'd be really pretty cool and and then i would really do um you know on a scale of one to ten mm-hmm. i would pick up something that was really difficult to cook and, yeah. and i do uh, and my have you seen my cooking? I have a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's it's an art form. I, it is. You know, I, I, and you probably said to yourself, I wonder if that guy's gay. I Look actually did not. Yeah. I cook myself, so oh, okay. did not get that. At well, all. then we can get a co- <laughs> we can get a cooking competition going. Love and, it. You know, and I, I and I just want to know. I just let you know. Yeah. I'll bury you. That's fine. Yeah. I'm here to learn. Okay. Good. <laughs> we'll just start. I am the master. Okay. And you're the student. Beautiful. Then eventually. As okay, all relation, yeah. yeah, of course. Right. Then you are the master, and I am the student, mm-hmm. and that's the way it should. I agree. Work. Oh. I had, I had uh, uh, some of my sons were in karate, mm-hmm. and uh, the kind of karate that takes you know a decade to get a, yeah. a black oh, b- yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah. And they're real, yeah. really well. Jujitsu is another sure. f- art form. So this is Shotokan karate. Okay, and Shotokan is the kind of karate that was in the karate 
kid mm, and it's very okay. formal and they don't have anything flashy on their stuff and and um, the the lead sensei in japan for this brand of mm-hmm. karate uh is the story of the karate kid that yeah. the, the you know the guy with the chopsticks who catches, catches a fly <laughs> and um i uh you know i had this thing when it's you know i always thought i was a tough guy but i never got in a fight so i had no yeah. idea but in my mind you know like i'm clint eastwood and i'm just gonna yeah. take a bunch of crap one day i'm gonna you know gonna use when, it. and i can do it i got uh-huh. the, i got the skills i got the weight i got the height i got whatever love it and um so I take my kids to their first karate uh, class. Mm-hmm. The sensei is also the bodyguard for, at the time, Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And he knows, you know, he's like an eighth degree black belt. Yeah. And he knows French kickboxing and <laughs> Brazilian wrestling, you, you know, and seven out. different things. Yeah. And I look at him for the first time and I go, I could take him. <laughs> And then I watch him I with the kids, and he's doing really simple stuff. And then I watch him with the other black belts, and I go, this guy could kick my trash. <laughs> like in three seconds. I retract my statement. Yeah, I, I, well, it's good. I never said the statement. <laughs> but in my mind, it's like, delete, 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 reprogram. Mm-hmm. Right? Reprogram. Mm-hmm. Go from idiot to, you know, conscious competent. Yeah. That you don't ha- you're that you're you aware. Didn't. You're aware yeah. this guy can kick your butt. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Is that... You? Is that me? It's not me. Oh. oh. That's no, all right. It'll that, go if we me. ignore it, yeah. it goes away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Just a little background music to my yeah. next I lead like in that, that I. Yeah. There I'm, you go. It's a build up. Yeah. It's I'm a build up. Little sing a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the groove. Oh, I'll do a little break dance. I like that. <laughs> That's so funny. I like that you brought that into the play. That is very cool. So, with this podcast that you want to kind of start, yeah, is it going to be over food? Are you going to have them come in and sit down and eat a meal with Are you? Are you guys going like to cook something together? together? I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I really like um, <laughs> um, Hall and Oates, the band, and they're the one of the. Pl- guys is darren and he has a mm-hmm. thing called darren's house mm. have you ever seen this i have not actually it, it's a little television show it lasts about an hour it's really really good mm-hmm. and and he invites musicians in mm-hmm. and they play his song and then they he plays their song and they go back and forth and it's all live and there's mm. no rehearsal and man these guys are world class it, it's unbelievable you know, and they got they have a little studio, and you know, there may be ten of them in the room, yeah. and they rock it out with the guitars and the organs and the drums and all, all that kind of stuff. And and before they talk, they go, "You do the second verse," and you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they're singing each other's songs, and, and what a compliment for world right. class musicians to sing each other's song. And they're super, super famous. Somewhere in the middle of that, they cook a meal. And it's really interesting, and I, huh. you know, and they got they have a person yeah. that comes in, but I notice one thing about everybody: everybody's got a story about food, and everybody relates to food, and they remember yeah. something, and they sit there and watch the chef, and you're like, "I'm going to do this with the meat," and I'm like, "Oh, I never thought of doing that," and they're, you know, they're all yeah. into it, and they're looking at the, and then they share the meal, and then they start talking about stories thirty years ago when they played on the same stage. Oh my goodness. And one was the opening band for the other and uh-huh. all of this stuff and then you know and that's where the really interesting discussion is around um, the 
the dinner table. So, you know, I have this feeling that if people were around a dinner table and are eating a meal, that Tasty whatever the meal, difference yeah. there is, you could find a similarity. A, well, a, a, a reasonable conclusion on some of the most complex um, discussions, because at the end of the day, really, there's a common sense to all of this stuff. And part of common sense is tolerance. You know, you got to have a tolerance for, you know, mm -hmm. coming to um, uh, a, a, a conclusion. And one of the things, that, uh, great things about common sense is it requires no money. Yeah. <laughs> it requires no funding. <laughs> it's free. It requires nothing. It just requires common sense and speaking uh, in ways that people can look at like, yeah, that, that's how I really feel. We all get jacked up on you know getting angry yeah. at stuff we get angry because what we're listening to is not common sense and then we don't know how to make it have common sense so you sure. know you sit out here and you know these little rural communities like parma idaho and you go like hey, you know how can i make sure that washington dc does not destroy my life yeah. out here yeah. and, and you watch them systematically destroying the life of your your family yeah you know because i got kids all over the place and and, and i'm uh, you know how you judge yourself as how you did as a parent is not how your kids turn out yeah it's how your grandkids turn out hmm. that's the only way you know how you how you did you almost yeah. got to look out a couple of generations and then you look at what society does to them hmm. and then you see things that that don't make common sense inside your own family and you go like where did that come from and then you start reasoning it through and then you and you watch the anxiety that your grandkids are going through and you think like thank god i was never raised today because this is really interesting really difficult f for yeah. um them and um and of course you don't want the whole thing to fall apart for everybody to learn a horrible right. lesson because it all fell apart. apart. <laughs> you know, if you were in the USSR and you watched the USSR collapse and yeah. split into multiple countries, you would have thought that that was impossible. <laughs> if people think that the United States cannot break apart, they're they're wrong. Yeah, anything can and happen it, because it, and it has nothing to do with the United States. It has nothing to do. It's about people who then become uh, unreasonable. I mean, yeah. you could even conceive. If you look at ma maps, you could see red, red states creating a uh, you know a group and blue states creating a group because they can't get mm -hmm. a, uh, along. And you know, obviously, you don't want to have a civil war. And I hear the word civil war more than I've ever heard in my yeah. life from both sides. Really, and I think like, holy Toledo, this is not this is not good. And I'm a pretty good historian. So then I go back to the 1850s and read the dialogues and the news articles back in the 1850s before the Civil War, and they're very similar to the articles that I see today. Yeah. The same vitriol, the same intolerance, the same lack of understanding. They're not listening. They're not communicating to each other. and They're not willing to go through a, right. a transition. And then I watch today societies bring up the past as if, the, as if all the people in the past who made their mistakes are alive <laughs> and we're still living with the same mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> And guaranteed, huh. guaranteed, a hundred years from now, people yeah. are going to look at the mess we created and mm. say these people 
who are worse than the people that they <laughs> those yeah. idiots uh, talked yeah. about. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, some of the the uh, some of what we're doing because of social media and everything yeah. else, there's a part of America that is now un-American, mm -hmm. intolerant. Mm -hmm. Bullying, name calling, and divisive and divisive, yep. and um, you know, you literally can get on the news and you can see politicians and anchors and political consultants speaking a language of hate. Yeah, you can. and it's you find it anywhere. Out. Yeah. And we are desensitized to it, and we actually don't recognize it as right. hate. We think, like, oh, that's a normal dialogue. Yeah. And if you've got a program waging war with yourself and you listen to it, all of a sudden you become, it's that innocence thing. Yeah. The more, remember when I told you about the little kid yeah. who mm -hmm. sees violence for the first time? If you go back to your childhood and then you listen to this stuff, you go, like, this, this, isn't, this isn't good. And that person isn't helping any anybody yeah. and they have this view of themselves that somehow through their enlightenment and their education and their vast whatever it is that they can say the most outrageous yeah. things for ratings and stuff and that somehow they're helping society when they're actually destroying hmm. society that is very true uh -huh. you mentioned small town yeah. why did you move to parma was there a reason for it? Why'd you move here? What do you love about small town? Well, I've always lived in big town, and um, I think everybody kind of fi fantasizes about like small town cowboy wearing a hat, driving around a pickup truck. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I learned to like country music here uh -huh. because of it. I like, sure. I turned it on. I'm like, oh, this is a really good song, and it's yeah. like a country road. And I'm on a country road. And, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing t songs about da uh, John Deere tractors, and there they are in front of my house going. <laughs> in fact, one day I was looking at, at um, I, I play the piano, and I play to what I see. So I look out the window, and I'm making up a song as mm -hmm. I'm going along. And it's, it's, it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time I've ever played it, and I'm, like, totally impressed with myself. <laughs> and if I look at my hands, I can't play. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. But if I look away, so I'm looking at the down, the farmers in their John Deere tractor down in the valley <laughs> below, and I'm thinking, like, <laughs> I wonder what they think about. And so I write a piece. Okay. This is what a farmer thinks about in the truck. And it's, like, so romantic. And I publish it on Facebook, and my friends in the city go, oh, my gosh, Dennis, that's so beautiful. So I go to church, uh -huh. and all, most of them are farmers. I go up to one of them and I said, hey, I wrote a piece about what farmers think about in a John Deere tractor. And, uh -huh. and um, But before I let you read it, I would like to know, what is it you think about it? Because I don't think about anything. I like, listen to country music. <laughs> I go, okay, well, you don't want to read this piece. Cause I'm going to look like a jackass. Not I just made you something, you know, yeah. like... You, you, you're not, and then I realized, you know, kind of the 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 humor of 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 living in small, being from the big cities in uh, San Diego, Philadelphia, mm. served my mission in New York, uh, Seattle, always big cities. Yeah. Uh, in my travels, you know, uh, Tokyo and London and and, and Paris and, and and so forth, uh, Sydney, Australia, whatever mm. it was. So. Um, I lost track. That's okay. Um, 
back to well this podcast is about small towns right like how okay. do we how do we impact oh, why, small how did towns? I, yeah, yeah so why did you move I, in I, I made a mistake I, I was on Zillow and I had an okay. app and I said I want to I want to buy a house for, that's this size for this about about this amount of, yeah. of money and I was looking for a deal and this amount of money and blah 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 and I wanted to stay ben, below the s- snow line and Sorry. I knew where the snow line is which is you know lower part of Utah I had a bunch of kids in Utah and I thought like yeah it'd be nice to live close by them and my fingers and I couldn't I couldn't find anything that yeah. kind of fit what I was looking for my Fair. fingers slipped off the 15 and I ended up on the 84 and I still think I'm in Utah and I get to an area and boom it all lights up what, you're like this is perfect this is you know and I'm all like I've never heard of Meridian Utah Eagle Utah <laughs> Parma Utah and I'm like so I pull a pull a map back and I go oh no it's Idaho I don't want to live in Idaho. <laughs> Bunch of racists up in Idaho. The KKKs up in Idaho, oh hiding goodness. up in the mountains, and you know, yeah. and, you know, it, it, everything that it wasn't is yeah. what I sure. thought it, it was. was, right? And um, but I end up seeing this house in Parma, and it's a beautiful home. And I, I look at the price, and there's like a, a number missing off there's like there's a zero missing yeah something something's wrong <laughs> and i i, I think and i and, and because of the first number i think it's the f- uh, uh, is a little high for what it would be sure. I, I thought it was not a zero but a one uh, should be in fr- front of the number uh, so i call up and i go hey there's something wrong with the price of this house no that's the price of the house well there's something you know is it like on a land field? Is Did it someone like a die for, in it? Former nuclear yeah. warhead plant? Yeah. Uh, you know, does it have, is it Chernobyl-like? Is uh, it, you know? So eventually I fly up and I look at it and I'm like, this is the greatest thing. I, and it was set up on a hill. You couldn't tell mm-hmm. it was set up on a, on a hill. And I, and I kept driving. I landed in Boise and I kept driving out, out there. And every time we would look at this, house and we would drive through like notice yeah mm-hmm. i got like notices how would you notice notice there's only <laughs> there's only one side of the you street wouldn't. there's nothing on the other side of the yeah the the street and mm-hmm. i had this thing like there's the universe and at the end of the universe there's a wall and behind the wall or something else mm-hmm. i don't know what it is so i get past notice mm-hmm. and i go this is the wall I'm going to find out what's on the other side of the wall because this is like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I kept driving and driving. Then I go through a little Parma and I'm like, hey, we're still not here. And I go past the movie theater and I'm like, we're still not here. <laughs> and it's a little past the movie theater and uh-huh. it sits on the hill and you can overlook. And I, and I go, this is on the other side of the universe. I have, man, wow. This is, I, I, I should join NASA. <laughs> yeah. I just so discovered the moon. Yeah. yeah. And so I get out there and um, I, I, you know, I, uh, we just decided to do, do this thing on a, on a kind of a, on a kind of a whim. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it turned out to be uh, a real adventure. Everything I thought it would be, it was, and more. That's People amazing. were friendly. Mm-hmm. People would take a grease pencil and 
say welcome to the neighborhood on a watermelon <laughs> you know yeah. uh we didn't uh, grow potatoes everywhere yeah i didn't grow potatoes and I, you know i could smell the onion fields and see the corn and all of, you know and all of a sudden i got pretty good like you know before i drive by a filling i have no idea yeah. that was in there and like that's potatoes that's corn that's cabbage that's onions that's you know alfalfa this is mm-hmm. um this is feed corn versus human corn yes, you know I, there's I, a difference. like i you know uh this is onions going to seed they're not the, you know a whole <laughs> thing and i'm i'm thinking like boy i am a country boy maybe i could maybe i i could get an accent and mm-hmm. talk like just a little bit yeah. slower and, and the first time i went to church uh, i shouldn't tell you this story it's terrible but that's okay first time i went to church and i was with a group of men and they were talking slow and simple and mm-hmm. i and i had this thought like well i'm definitely the smartest guy in this room for sure <laughs> for sure i am i am and you know about a month later i'm in the same room and i'm listening to them and i'm beginning mm-hmm. to realize i know how to get water out of the ground i can tell you everything about barcode technology i can yeah. tell you about a, a stuff that has nothing to do with surviving sure you know it's global and it helps and it moves products around the yes. world but um and i'm watching they, they know how to get water out of the ground they can fix anything they can fix their tractor they can fix their car they can fix their house they can fix their, their furnace they can mm-hmm. you know there's nothing that they can't do and i'm i'm so and I sit in that classroom, and I, I look around, look around the room at all these men, and I go, "Yep, I'm the dumbest man in this room, for sure." And it only took a month to realize that all of the intelligence and all the experience and all the traveling and all the people I met, famous people, unfamous people, all the talks I ever gave, gave, and people thinking I was pretty smart, and I end up in a room, and I'm the dumbest guy in the room. And by the way, you wouldn't have thunk it. I wouldn't have thought it. And it's, ten, <laughs> and it's 10 years later, and I'm still the dumbest man in the room. I love that. Yeah. You just embodied the small town. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, um, yeah. It's, and when somebody gets hurt in a small town, breaks their back, or, you know, and a death in a small town is a bad death. It is. It, it's, you know, the machinery is bigger than people realize. It's more dangerous than they is. Real, realize. But when something happens, everybody's skills are interchangeable in Parma, mm-hmm. except for Dennis Conforto. I have no <laughs> interchangeable <laughs> skill. I can dig a ditch, but I don't do that. Yeah. So I, you know, unless I have to, right. you know, I, you well, know for the community and stuff, you know, I'll sacrifice my, my back and my arms and, you know, my little hands that will get blistered and so forth. And, and I'll, I'll complain and I'll whine and I'll become childlike and, mm-hmm. you know, um, but uh, it, it is it is the best it is the best life that's more than what people can think of but it's hard there's a there's a, a hardness to it and when i mean hard i mean you got to go further to you know I, okay first world problems. i, I yeah. shouldn't say to say this but you would think the best produce in the world would be in a small town grocery store holy crap <laughs> Apparently, all that stuff goes to the big stores and the big cities because I'll p- pick up a, a, a green onions and they're yep, and I'm like this ain't right and lettuce like and then I you know so I'm like what the heck you know and mm-hmm. and it was interesting because if you think about a big city and living yeah. in a big city 
it takes three or four or five people in a small city to, per capita yeah. to take care of the big city. And so now I live in Parma, Idaho, and it mm -hmm. produces, t for every one person in Parma, they produce enough for 10,000 people. Yeah. And I thought like, wow, if the crap hits the fan, and the crap's going to hit the fan, yeah, and if I had to live in some place, I would want to live in a place where it had two, three things. Everything. One road coming in, one road coming out. Plenty of food, and everybody's got guns. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows how to use them, and they have love in their heart until somebody has hate in their heart, and then there's going to be a um, you know a reckoning <laughs> yes. that's ha happening. If you think about wars in the world mm -hmm. with the Roman Empire or the French Revolution, it was always the small cities that got abused and then had enough, and they went to the big city and took yeah. care of whatever the they, yeah. they took care of the whatever the yeah. problem had to be to fix what the big cities were ruining for everybody yeah, else it is so yeah. it's sad i mean you, you would think from a small town that you would have all the best produce right but really in reality we send our produce to the big city and then we get produce from somewhere else to stock our stores yeah it's very interesting aspect of it yeah but, that was the thing that was most shocking i was so excited to go to my little grocery store and sure. like, like and especially the produce section yeah you know right? and it's like it's dismal. no i'm gonna get a i'm gonna get I'm going to get delivery for Walmart or yeah, delivery from Amazon sad, right? or whatever. Yeah. yeah, when Walmart has better produce than your local produce thing, that's not... That's, that's an issue. That's, that's, an that's issue. a little bit of an issue. And yeah. there are places, right? Like there's the barn in Fruitland that does specialize in produce, but there's not many around. Right. And right. there's definitely a need for it. Yeah. For sure. Well, are you ever going to move away from this small town? Well, Rancho Conforto's for sale. Okay. Uh, go to Rancher for and, and buy my house. Um, I, no, I, 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 you know, I, I. There's something about Idaho that mm -hmm. when I was a little kid, I came to um, a jamboree, a scout, a scout jamboree, and I, uh, you know, you can tell I'm blue-eyed, fair-skinned, mm -hmm. and uh, up in yeah, and I got a sunstroke. At a scout jamboree in Farragut, Idaho, and I just remember as a little kid, I was in the Red Cross mm -hmm. tent, and the doctor's around. And he said, "Listen, young man, I got two words of advice for you." Okay, what? All right, here's the first word of advice: stay out of the sun for the rest <laughs> of your life. And I did. I mean, I was always in the shade. You know, I'm like, yeah. you know. Getting in the swimming pool, you know, yeah. no, and, and and when I tell you, you know, you talk about white anything, I'm like white on white on white. My legs are so white <laughs> that you need two pairs of sunglasses. 100 SPF, you're still going to burn. Yeah, yeah. I, so it's funny. just, you know, I look at my white legs and I'm like, oh, I'm like that's awful. What an <laughs> awful look. But, Blinding. You know, yeah. That's a look. And the other one was, stay out of Idaho, it'll kill you. So when I found these houses in Idaho, I'm like, I can't go to Idaho. I was told I by was the doctor, I can't go to Idaho. It'll kill me. And now I That's realize funny. I'm going to get buried in Idaho, and I'll Beautiful. end up being longer in Idaho than any, any other place. place. So hmm. I, I just had a friend that told me um, that if you flattened out Idaho with all of its hills and mountains and just made it flat, mm -hmm. you know, like a piece of dough and flattened it out. Sorry. It'd be larger than Texas. 
Yeah, I I can believe that. Yeah, so I, you know, Idaho ended up with, uh, I think it has 22 state parks, more state parks than any uh, other Mm -hmm. uh, place in the union. Um, I find the, 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 I find more diversity in Idaho than I did anywhere else. And what I mean by that is you can find every race and every culture in Idaho, but everybody gets along. They do. Right? Doesn't matter their religion, doesn't matter their race, doesn't mm-hmm. matter their background. Everybody just gets along. Yeah. It's like the best part of, of Southern California, which is San Diego, where people are just really friendly. So it, it was like San Diego transported to Idaho, and everybody had that kind of carefree attitude, and everybody was young, and everybody was doing really cool things, mountain, you know, hiking and kayaking and canoeing and motorboats and lakes and hunting and fishing and you know and jump jumping out of planes and you know all of it it's all here all of it is here and more and people actually have no idea how um fantastic this this state is and how the state came to be you know who made this state i don't actually abraham lincoln really you know why he made this state Speaking of the KKK, he needed an extra set of votes to get the Emancipation Proclamation and Emancipation Act passed. And so he he cheated by creating Um. a territory of Idaho really quickly that would have an impact in a vote that changed the course of our nation. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. That takes somebody from outside of Idaho to tell somebody inside of Idaho how great Idaho is. Technically, he's in Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Oregon's by five but, minutes. Yeah, well, you I have to know for the fact that the people in this area of Oregon really want to be part of Greater Idaho. Yeah, in Greater Idaho would go would take over nine counties in uh, Oregon mm-hmm. and two counties in Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> and we would be the third biggest state in the union. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, I was born in Boise, I think, Idaho, and I, I think yeah, keep going. I definitely want to move to the Idaho side. I do. I'd like to be on the Idaho side, but I think they are. You're right on the border. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you how you get to the other side by my house. <laughs> I looked at it, actually. Yeah. A little bit. I'm still on the up of my entrepreneurship career, so I'm not quite We're to gonna that We're going to be here point. for a few more years. Just, uh, it's there. okay. Go into debt. I'm already like in they, a lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you $31 trillion? I am not. I'm only yes, a million. Actually, so. you are. <laughs> uh, that's true because yeah. I'm an American, right? You're, it is, you're an American. It is my debt. Yeah. So get this: we have thirty-one trillion dollars in debt, but we have three hundred trillion dollars in unfunded liability that people don't th- think about. Mm-hmm. So that means: do you have children? No. Yeah, no. No. All right. So that means take your own debt mm-hmm. plus the debt that the country has placed you mm-hmm. in, and you got about two point five million dollars worth of extra debt that you don't know about. Nice. That, you, that you get to pass awesome. on to your kids. I love that. Now your debt, your More kids are free. More reason to have kids. Your yeah, <laughs> your debt will your kids aren't responsible for. But the country debt, your your kids will be will be responsible for. Be responsible for. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I will definitely be getting to buy in your house. Where are you going? If you're uh, selling your place, it, it's event driven. Okay. The thing, the great thing about me is, I. You ever watch the movie Serendipity? Mm-mm. I actually haven't seen. Okay, that Okay, you got to see that movie. Okay, it's a great, it it's list. a great love story. But uh, um, 
but it's sort of serendipity. I, it's event driven, so I don't, don't, you don't know. No, I, I, I will deal with it when when it comes. It happens, but it seems like this is the right time um, to do this, and mm-hmm. I have grave concerns of what's happening in the, in the, in the country, and I want to be as well. really, really smart. And in my case, you know, I have a f- immediate family of forty-two people. Mm-hmm. You know, because. Yeah. I'm highly productive. <laughs> my kids are too, and my and my and their kids are starting to become um, um, producers, productive, well, productive then, people. Yeah, and and then you begin to realize that there's no small decision in in life. So I did a calculation at one time to find out if my kids had kids at the rate I had kids, and their kids had kids at the rate I, I had kids. In 500 years, there would be one million living Confortos plus all the ones that died to get them there. And then you begin to realize, like, wow, I didn't realize I was so important. I'm not going to be important while I'm alive, but sure. somewhere in the future, I you're going to have I an may, impact on somebody. I, they may look at me, and I may be famous to inside of a a family as somebody who did some small little teeny thing. I turned right. Uh-huh. Instead of left down a hallway, and it changed the course of everybody's lives. And I'm like, wow. Go me. I am somebody going somewhere after I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Because it ain't happening happening this life. It's not happening now. I mean, you've been building your whole life to uh, hopefully impact somebody in the future when you're gone, right? Well, the biggest impact I wanted to have was on the most important person, which was me. Which is the thing we want to impact. Sure. You can't, you, you really, you, you can't impact. I think that, you know, everybody thinks, I think, that they should be doing something, that, they're, that there's a, uh, a purpose. Uh-huh. We may think it's big, we may think it's small. Some think people mm-hmm. think it's, you know, they've got a big purpose and impact a lot of um, people. I, you know, I just felt like I had a purpose that kind of went beyond me, but. I had to have a purpose. So what was my purpose? Finding the best version of me. Mm. Quote me. I love that. <laughs> You've had That's two quote me quotes. I've, in this. I've had four. F- okay. Yeah. It's a four. Yeah, I've had four. You missed the other ones. I did. But I, I must have. I got them cataloged. Okay. All yeah. right. We'll save them for your podcast. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, as we wind down here a little bit, I have two oh, questions. I thought we were going on for a couple hours. We can hours. go all day. Nah, we can go all day. <laughs> I want to ask you two questions. Yeah. Well... Originally, it was one question, and now I've got another one. What is the biggest impact you want to have on yourself? And then what is the biggest impact that you want to have on your community? Well, I think I already told you the biggest impact I want to have on myself, which is find the best version of me and make sure sure that by the time I pass away or get close to passing away, that the mirror of how people see me and the mirror of how I see me are yeah. one and the same. Aligned. Um, and, and, and that requires um, introspection and honesty of self. And it's really hard to be honest with yourself. <laughs> you know, if you you know if you have to filter through all your faults and your foibles and mistakes you made in your um, life. I'm a very forward-looking um, person. Mm-hmm. I. You know, I see the mistakes in my life. I'm very regretful of them, but I, you know, I don't want to stay in them for too long. Sure. I say I, I stay in them long enough to feel the pain from them, and I probably feel the pain of them um, more than than most. 
people, but there's a point where I have to let the pain go and just say, okay, I, you know, this is a, this is a lesson I could have learned in life without going through the pain. But, you know, since I went through the pain, I might as well. The price. Might as well do something with it. Well, the price of pain is you learn for something. Uh, if you don't learn anything from it, the price is more pain until you, you do. Mm. And I don't, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Um, I. When I think about my community, um, I don't think about my community. I, my, I, I do, but my community is probably bigger than you would use the word community sure. for. So my community um, is being American. That's my community. I love that. I, you know... You know, I have a profound love for the country. I've been to graveyards in Europe with American soldiers buried in, and I've been to graveyards, of course, in the United States. I've been to um, Pearl Harbor, Punchbowl, which is a graveyard mm -hmm. in, in Hawaii. Uh, these, and you begin to realize the the price that was paid. Some of the wars were justified. A lot of wars weren't justified. A lot of the, you know, the country made a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't harbor on the mistakes. I don't sit there and, you know, people talk about the Civil War and what happened there as if it happened yesterday. The people who made peace in the Civil War mm -hmm. are doing better job at making peace of the Civil War then than we make about it today. Mm. It, it, and it's a, tra it's a tragedy. A lot of people don't realize that the, that the Confederate statues that were built were gifts from the Union, from people who had a, a very different yeah. uh, 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 opinion because people died Sorry. thinking they were doing the right um, thing and history always belongs to the victor the victor gets to write the history that doesn't yeah. mean that the history was right it just means that's the one that got published yeah and so when we look at ancient history and we do an archaeological finding and we find king tut's grave and we hear about a war it's written from their perspective they could there. have been villains but in their story they were um they were the the uh, heroes, and I distinguish the American community from the American government. The American community I love, the American government I'm learning over time, and this is a very painful thing for me to say, but I'm beginning to detest it. Yeah. I'm beginning to loathe it. I'm beginning to see the abuse of it. I, I am tired of hearing the constant lies that I my logic tells me and my common sense tells me and my ability to connect dots together to say that is just the most outrageous lie and I'm being mm -hmm. fooled. It doesn't take me very long to find the truth of anything by doing one thing hmm. in my community. Well, follow the money trail. Yeah. If I follow the money trail and I really, really dig in deep, I begin to see that what I am seeing has to do with money. It has nothing to do with truth. And money is a way of a victor deciding what the truth is going to be. So the truth about whatever it is, about medicines, about no. science, or you know, and you can see people of great intolerance who use words like, it is declared science. Hmm. That sort of sounds like 
the Catholic Church with Galileo yeah. saying it's declared it's declared <laughs> religious truth, and yeah. now politics has become a religion of yeah. intolerance, and it is now the most intolerant thing on the planet, and it creates war. You know, sometimes people think like you know religion created all of this war in the world. What if you really peel it back? What you found out was the wars, the religious wars or political wars where religion was used yeah. and the religion was per perverted but it was really politics yeah. the politics of power the politics of power comes from the politics of money hmm. and somebody is you know getting paid and getting yeah. wealthy from all, all of this stuff so for me it's like two mirrors right yeah. the american mirror here's the american people and here's the the political elite the hmm. media elite, the industrial uh, elite, and trying to get those two mirrors to line up. Those those two mirrors are completely very far apart. Far uh, apart. The America. I know what the American dream is and what it feels like, and it's pretty simple. And I think most people can, most Americans can articulate it. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty similar to the the. Uh, the dream, the Iranian dream of a, a typical Iranian family of mom and a dad and kids and all that kind of stuff. Same, same kind of um, dream. So mm. I, uh, so for me, uh, it is, you know, how do I, how do I take my little nothing voice and make it, it give it a different perspective, give enough pause for people to think like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, Dennis found a money trail here, and I, you know, I'm having a hard time uh, arguing um, with it. Mm -hmm. And the only way you do that is you got to get in front of people to make enough mistakes to get the <laughs> argument right. Yeah. You know, we talk sometimes about, you know, I don't like that politician because they flip flop. I'm happy with people who flip flop. I want to be surrounded by flip floppers <laughs> because if they believe they had, they figured it all out by their yeah. 18 and they never changed an opinion, they're an idiot. An oh, eighteen-year idiot, yeah. and it's a, a, a it's okay to flip flop. It's okay to be uh, insert new in, software. A, insert new software based mm -hmm. on getting rid of your prejudice, getting rid of fake information and fake news and fake you know people. You know, a lot of people don't like hearing the word um, uh, fake, <laughs> um, but yeah. you know what? I know fake every time I see it. Yeah. I, Pretty easy to sniff out. It, it, it is. And, um, but I also know the power of media. I had a media buying company mm -hmm. at one point in time. And we bought a lot of media time. And there's some things that we learned. We, we learned that, you know, if you, in a minute commercial, if you wanted people to memorize something, you had to say it seven times in that yeah. one minute. And then you had to see it seven times in a week. And so you had to have mm -hmm. a certain amount of reach and a certain amount of f frequency to make all of that right. uh, happen. Well, if you get a message out about whatever it is with enough frequency, you can change people's opinion. And what you really find out is today in America when people are voting, they're not voting for someone. They're voting against someone yep. because they've been taught to hate. They don't even know what they're voting for. They don't even know what they're going to uh, to get. So if you take somebody like Donald Trump, regardless of 
you know, what you might have mm-hmm. of his, um, you know, the way that he um, approaches sure. things. People who hate him couldn't, couldn't for the life of them talk about the failed uh, or the policies that worked yeah. for lots of people. They, they, they are clu- clueless. They can't see beyond the lens of hate. You know, and you got to hear the same stories about the same guy. You can never get to the um, accomplishments. And by the way, the same true with Obama. You know, if you're on the other side, you can't see what he he did. You can see everything you didn't uh, like, but it's so personalized. And it's a cartoon character. Yeah. And people talk about him in a way as if they met him and sat down and like, you know, and they have all of this. Uh, this hate. If you're a policy person, then you know you just cut cut through that. Then we look at the last couple of years, and uh, again, I don't have hate in, in my heart, but it doesn't take me very long to figure out if you get rid of your energy independence, and energy is the driver. I, here, here's something most people don't know about about World War II. They don't know about what happened at Pearl Harbor. They don't know why the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. You know why the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor? Honestly, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because we did an oil embargo <coughs> on Japan and surrounded them, and they couldn't mm. get oil. And guess what? If you don't have energy, and you mess with people's energy, you mm-hmm. mess with their families, you mess with their livelihood, you mess with their ability to survive, yeah. and that's warlike. And so there, yeah, these guys went, went like, where do we go? We'll go yeah. to Pearl Harbor and... <coughs> and and, and handle the situation. And handle the situation, which, you know, is disastrous for for them and for us and for everybody else. Uh, we, we, we took our own ability to drill oil. We gave it to Russia. And yesterday we gave it to Venezuela. And I'm sitting there going like, <laughs> energy, yeah. oil is in everything. You can mm-hmm. hate it all you want. And then if you follow the money trail, you begin to realize something really interesting. The green people are in a green business. They, it's not that they hate oil. They need oil. They do. If, you, if you're going to build a solar panel, you're going to need oil. If yep. you're going to build a lithium battery, you're going to be needing oil. oil. And you're going to do as much da- damage to the earth as oil. If you need <laughs> yes. a, a windmill, you've got to have fiberglass <laughs> blades. <coughs> and the amount Made of energy. And, right. And the, and the amount of energy that it takes to build one windmill takes the windmill three years to net out the energy that it costs to make mm-hmm. the windmill <laughs> and, and then you begin to realize that what it is is a bunch of business guys who've demonized another business guy because they want to switch everything yep. uh, over and then you raise the cost of energy well then mm-hmm. that raises the cost of everything then you raise inflation then you raise uh, then minimum wage uh, can't keep up families yeah. can't keep up and now we have a situation where the average my community mm-hmm. the average american it is now costing them eight to twelve thousand dollars more a year to survive yeah. now if you are uh, a fixed income person on social security you make twenty four thousand dollars a year you just got wiped out yeah you're 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 now you went from being kind of self-sufficient to i need food stamps to poverty and and now you're in to poverty under some some thing that i've listened to all of my life uh since the 70s 
the world's going to end in 10 years unless we do this or unless we do that. And then, no matter what it is. Yeah. And at first it was an ice age. And then it was this. And then it was acid rain. And then it was this. And then it was global warming. Global warming didn't happen. And then they came up with a final solution. Let's just call it climate change because you can't argue with it. <laughs> you know? And, and, and the climate's been changing for ever forever i went to turkey to corinth mm-hmm. and at one time the ocean back you know two thousand years ago was seven miles inland and boats could come up you have to go seven miles in dirt to get to where the ocean was at mm. and there was no cars there was no nothing it was just sure. a natural process of yeah. the earth now does that mean we can't clean it up and it can't be better does that mean i you know i'm willing to sacrifice dirty air and all that no of course not mm, but yeah. i don't have to I don't have to accept the truth, right? Well, I, 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 I can find. Well, you can find balance. Yeah, and this is about common sense. It's about mm-hmm. balance. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tesla just announced, you know, this week that that by twenty twenty four they're coming out with a hydrogen car, which means the electric car is already gone, gone. Yeah, you know, and we all know it's coming. Oh, one hundred percent. They just have to be patient but politicians who aren't scientists who aren't doctors who aren't anything that are a bunch of attorneys and if you think about (laughs) i've run enough companies that the least productive person in the room is going to be the attorney because they're going to slow everything down make everything more complicated make sure everybody doesn't trust everybody they're going to write a contract a mile long so when i bought my house in parma Mm -hmm. by the time i signed the contract Seriously, it was big enough that I bought the whole state of Idaho. <laughs> That's how complicated that thing was. That's yeah. attorneys. So, you know, people mock things like, you know, why would we have a businessman running the country? Or why would we have a movie star? Or why would we have uh-huh. a, a football player? Why we have, Well, our whole system was built on just like the jury system. In the jury system, you get on the jury and you're on the jury and you're off the jury. You know, yeah. it's, it's and it's every it's from every back, back, background. If anybody wants to understand why the country's so screwed up, you just got to look at the job descriptions of all of the people in Congress and so forth. You're going to find out the vast majority are uh, attorneys, and that's why it, <laughs> everything is slow. Everything well, everything is slow. Everything is complicated, and attorneys love to get in everybody's business. They do, they do indeed. Yeah, so dealt with few myself. Yeah. Well, that is amazing, folks. There is a lot of nuggets in today's episode. Please take a pen, take a pad. Listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> For his age, he just spelled out a lot of wisdom right there. Yeah. He is very intelligent. Take a pen, that's for sure. Take a pad. Yeah. Listen to what Dennis is saying. Take notes and uh, eventually follow his podcast. Heck yeah. Dennis, yeah. where can we find you? Where can we find any of this information that you're talking about? Just be my friend on LinkedIn. Try to be my friend or follow me on on uh, uh, Facebook or you can okay. go to DennisConforto.com. Eventually a podcast will mm-hmm. come out and you can see more um, there. And then you can invite me back again and we can wow. have another chat. Oh, okay. And as many times as you want. Okay. Sounds really. good. If, I'll you don't, if, you don't, if you don't call, I won't, I won't show up. Okay. I only <laughs> come right. by inv- invitation. I only go where people uh, want me to be at. Okay. Well, it's you been a are going to be invited back. It has been an absolute pleasure. 
It Thank has, you, doesn't it? It has. What an opportunity for you. Yeah, it's been great. Hey, I'm <laughs> all, awesome. All, blessed. <laughs> I love it. I, I got 50 years on you, and you, you do. And you didn't have to make all those mistakes that I make. I love that. Yeah. yeah, this is great. I've learned so much today. Yeah, so good. thank you. I'm, I'm going to watch this episode a lot. <laughs> Take yeah, notes. for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming it. on. Folks, yeah. thanks for listening. Thanks for bringing Biscuit. And thank yeah, you. Biscuit and thank is you, the Biscuit. Star. Biscuit's the best. Yes. We He's love this. I made a new friend. You did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Look, he's yeah, sitting on your lap. He likes you. Yeah. Dogs are the best judge of character. They are. 100%. And notice a biscuit picked her, not you. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You yeah. did. She has a good heart. That's for sure. Love it. Thank you, Dennis. Absolutely Thank appreciate you. it. As Thank always, folks, you. keep it local. <laughs>